Back in June, I was in Toronto, and for lunch one of the days, we went to Assembly Chefs Hall. And while we were there, we met up with its managing partner, Andreas Antonio. So this was the day of Game 5 of the NBA Finals. This is Toronto versus Golden State. The game was in Toronto that night. People were excited to say the least. So we were standing in one of the two main common seating areas at Assembly Chefs Hall. They call it the Beer Hall. And Andreas was explaining to us that at night, they were going to play the game on big screens in the hall. Uh, you'll notice that the seating is designed and set up in a stadium-style seating. Uh, so we've done that specifically uh, given the games that are going on. Uh, we have two giant, uh, two giant projector screens, uh, and we're just in the process. It looks like it's three-quarters of the way built of building out this elevated DJ booth so that it's raised. Everyone can see the DJ during the game. Uh, the fact that we're investing in the DJs is made front and center to highlight that experience to customers. Uh, and then ultimately when the games come on, we drop the screens down uh, and you get to listen to the game. And, and, it, and it's really an incredible environment. Uh, we, ha we just had a, an editor from Now Magazine come through and suggest that the experience here is every bit as good as going to the game because the crowd in here is singing the national anthem, uh, chanting, you know, go Raptors, go, or defense. Uh, and it's, it's a lot of fun here. Andreas told me that during the game, when commercials came on, they would turn down the sound, and that's when the DJ would play music and stop playing right when the game came back on. I'm assuming there was a lot of Drake being played there. That night after dinner, I was heading back to my hotel, and I decided I would swing by Assembly Chef's Hall to watch the game. So I walked to the entrance on Richmond Street. It's in the base of an office building. I opened the door and I realize this is about as far as I'm getting. The place is absolutely packed. The game had already started, and it was wall-to-wall -wall fans. I, you know, I didn't even get inside the hall. This is after hours in an office building, normally the deadest place you can think of, right? But Assembly Chef's Hall was rockin'. And that's probably one of the reasons why companies like Google, for example, have chosen to lease office space in that building. On this episode, we're touring Assembly Chef's Hall to see how this food hall activates an office complex. Also, there will be pizza, tacos, sushi, and one amazing chicken sandwich. <laughs> You're listening to Where We Buy. My name is James Cook. I research retail and real estate for JLL. This is the show where we talk with retail experts and visit shopping spots across the nation. So this all started when Lee Jackson, who does business development for JLL Retail in Canada, wanted to take me to his favorite food spot in the financial district. So we get to Assembly Chef's Hall, and we find ourselves in one of the open seating areas. My first takeaway is the space is urban, but it's not too sophisticated as to be off-putting. It was late morning, but still a little too early for the lunch crowds to have formed. Lee told me about the overall development. The Landlord Oxford Properties uh, basically uh, has this master development, uh, which is Richmond Adelaide Center. The kinds of tenants that I imagine these office buildings are trying to attract are the, 
new tech forward types of tenants. You really need something like a food hall in order to attract them and keep them. Absolutely. Uh, the, the anchor tenant uh, from the office perspective uh, above Assembly Chef's Hall is Google. Um, the, the retail that sort of follows uh, really services uh, the office tenants. So Lee, as we're uh, hanging out, uh, waiting for Andreas, what's, uh, what's the can't-miss lunch here at the food hall? What's the place you go back to the most? I am very uh, partial to the fried chicken sandwich at Love Chicks. Uh, it is just seasoned perfectly every time uh, with some fried Brussels sprouts that are rolled in uh, Parmesan cheese. Calabrese, they make their tortillas uh, on, the, on the flat top in, in front of you. Nine different hot sauces, starting at mild going up to uh, ghost pepper. Uh, so for the spice connoisseur, uh, it kind of checks all the boxes. Oh man, that sounds so good. Okay, so I see Andreas, so let's go grab him. And we're going to have some ghost peppers after this. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, you are. My name is Andreas Antonio. I'm the managing partner of Assembly Chef's Hall. Like every good young Greek boy, I grew up in restaurants. So I was birthed into a dining room, uh, you know, in 1983. 14 year old, I worked as a dishwasher for 80 hours a week. I, uh, you know, was a prep cook, a food runner, a server, a host, a maitre d'. Uh, I did pretty well at school and I had a chance to go work for Credit Suisse as an investment banker. So I did that out in Los Angeles. Then I worked for Oak Tree Capital. Uh, eight years ago, uh, my family asked me to come back to Toronto to take over existing restaurants. So we did that, uh, took those over, uh, launched a number of other properties. Uh, and uh, we started to learn that there's, uh, there's problems with the math right now. And so if you want great experience and if you want, uh, if you want an amenity that drives people to a place because of the caliber of the food, the uniqueness of the offering, the breadth of the offering, you really need the talent in order to affect that. Uh, the problem is the talent doesn't have the acumen to develop at major com uh, major complexes where you know you have a two billion dollar property above you and you know the landlord's biggest concerns often are don't burn it down and you know what's your covenant. Um, so that's really where we found an opportunity to provide a service to the landlords, to the you know community of employees that work in the area, as well as to the chefs. We've got 17 vendors within the space. Six of those vendors, this is their only location. Uh, so we can incubate uh, talented individuals that don't actually have other facilities. Uh, the balance, the other 10 vendors all have a, a one other location within the city. Uh, we obviously want them to grow, be successful and, and spawn out of here. But the key to it is that, you know, in hospitality, there's tons of people that are supremely talented at doing, you know, certain things really well. Uh, they just don't have the platform or the location where they can actually launch that business or that idea and so really what we look to do for the chefs is to help make their dream of owning their own business a reality by giving them access to you know a fantastic location half a million people within a couple kilometers around us their dream is to build their own restaurant so they need to build their own restaurant. They need to pick the logo, they need to pick the name, they need to pick the menu, the finishes, the design, because it's really their vision. Uh, and because it, they executed their vision, they're more bought in and invested in the success of the place. One of our favorite spots within assembly here is Tachi. One of the most unique experiences, I would say in Canada and certainly uh, inside in downtown Toronto. 
Uh, Tachi is an eight space standing omakase that is a legitimate uh, Japanese Tokyo experience. Uh, you come in, uh, there's, 12, uh, there's 12 items on the menu every day, 30 minutes, $55, and every 15 minutes, four chefs uh, do another seating so that all day long they're just turning folks over uh, and you're having an outstanding uh, sushi experience. We're starting to fill up. When we got here, there weren't that many people. People are starting to filter in. So we do take on the head lease. We manage the development process. Obviously, it's very complicated with 18 different chefs, 18 different designs within the space. And then it's our responsibility going forward to maintain kind of the property management and the micro-leasing of the space. And so, uh, you know, we anticipate that, you know, one to two vendors either fall out of favor in terms of the style of food they're doing or not keeping up with the new trends. And then it's our responsibility to come in and backfill that with the newest and coolest thing that's going on in the city at that time. Oh man, Some, somebody just walked by with ramen a minute ago while you were talking. And I'm like nodding and I'm like, oh my God, that looks so good. So right over here, we've got Chef Ivana Rasa who runs Resto Buemo. Uh, she's serving a truffle mushroom gnocchi that uh, she used to beat Bobby Flay recently. Uh, she won best burger in the city. Um, and again, like she's set up her menu correctly where at lunchtime they predominantly sell these incredible burgers and in the evening they pro predominantly sell these truffle mushroom gnocchis. Again, going from lunch menu to dinner menu items, creating the right experience because you don't want to have lunch at dinner. So do you provide the POS system or do they each provide that individually? Uh, so we, we manage the POS and the reconciliation. Uh, so again, the goal of all this is to make it easier. Uh, we reconcile with the vendors each week. So it gives them a summary. So again, it takes that accounting pressure from the revenue standpoint and the reconciliation standpoint off their plate. And then things like with uh, credit card processors, it gives us a lot more clout to negotiate far better rates. My name is Ness Levy, and I am uh, one of the owners and uh, one of the chefs at Short and Sweet Bake Shop. Uh, so Ness, uh, Ness, what's your tagline? You've been ruining diets since what? You, since 2009. Uh, so uh, Ness, Ness obviously puts out really spectacular desserts within the space. They just brought in a uh, a soft serve machine, uh, and they're going to be launching a uh, a pop up brand in here called the Cold Truth. Cold Truth is uh, is kind of the um, <laughs> the troubled younger brother of short and sweet so uh, a little edgier as andre said a little less forgiving uh kind of calling people out um and just having a lot of a lot more fun um kind of no holds barred with food we've been testing out a lot of uh, fun flavors recently we got butter popcorn coming up we got cinnamon bun ice cream coming up uh we have an avocado with condensed milk we got a lot of fun creative flavors we're looking at a layout i see beautiful cupcakes yes cookies, bars, yeah. all diet killers. What's your best seller? 10 years, Red Velvet Cupcakes, still our number one seller. So it's what people come back to us for. But again, this, the cookie sandwiches I'm about to put out, also, um, you know, monster sellers. Everything sells out every day. Ask Andres, he helps uh, with half our sales, so you know. Oh, what is so this down, line? So down here we've got uh, Colibri. It's run by Chef Elia Herrera. Uh, she was on Top Chef Mexico, Top Chef Canada. Uh, she's an incredible talent. Um, what you see here is it's a it's a it's a traditional Mexican taqueria inside the space. They make the masa every day from scratch. Uh, they lay them out in front of you on the planche so you can watch the tortillas being cooked in front of you. 
And if you have a taco with a freshly made tortilla, it's kind of like going to a bakery in Paris and having, you know, at eight in the morning or six in the morning and getting the baguette fresh from the baker. It's a completely different experience. Uh, and one of, again, one of the most successful spaces within here. So over here, uh, we've got Justin. Uh, Justin is the pizziolo from Good Sun Pizza. Uh, Justin is a one-man wrecking crew. Uh, my name is Justin Sherry. I'm the pizziolo and partner of the Good Sun uh, Pizza. So this is the first, your first foray into your own own yeah, own place. Exactly, it's first foray into my own uh, my own place. Um, you know, I started off in uh, small pizzerias, and uh, that uh, led me into a little bit of fine dining. I was able to work for under some great chefs in the city, uh, opening some new exciting restaurants. Uh, you gotta come back for the pepperoni pizza. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's like as if you've never had a pepperoni pizza before. I'm not even joking. How many of those have I eaten since you changed it up? He's our best pepperoni pizza customer. He gets at least uh, once a couple every couple days, so we're always ready for him. I judge a pizza on its crust. So tell me about your crust. Our crust is uh, it's crispy uh, with a softer inside. It's got a nice hold to it. It's very thick, um, but also very light on the stomach. It's got it's a, during the aging process. It helps with the digestion. Down on this side, you've kind of got our second, our major seating area. We dubbed this the beer hall. This is you. You operate the bar. Yeah, and so, so uh, unfortunately, in, uh, in 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 Toronto, we're regulated uh, by the AGCO, so the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario. They never considered our space for the rules of uh, the of the licensing side. So as we opened, we kind of struggled with. Uh, how do we actually license this given that you know the way the rules were legislated didn't work that way um, our dream is actually not to run the bar uh, but the way the only way we could get it done at the moment was for one person to take full responsibility of the liquor license area so we're stepping outside here and we're in some open astro turf here in uh, what was our South Liquor License patio. Uh, Oxford's doing some uh, incredible renovations to Richmond Adelaide Center as a whole. Uh, they're recladding uh, 120 and 130 Adelaide. So as part of that process, so that glass sheets don't drop on our customers, uh, we've got this hoarding and scaffolding above the space uh, probably for the next 10, 11 months. It's not an environment appropriate to seat customers. And so what, we, what we're doing here is we're creating a 3D Instagrammable <laughs> I know I hate that word too. Space uh, where we're going to have outdoor bocce. So folks can come after work, you know, probably four different bocce courts within the space. And now within the space, it's not just about watching a Raptor game or live music or food. It's also about having interactive games-oriented team-building activities that can go on within the space. Uh, what you don't see yet is we've got these 3D clouds that are going to come in and be lit. Uh, Muralist is coming in to paint the blue wall that we've erected. So as you're talking, I look over your shoulder and I see this Airstream. Is that your Airstream? <laughs> That's our Airstream. So we found that Airstream uh, off Kijiji. It's a 1967 <laughs> Airstream. Uh, we retrofitted it on our... Is that a bar? It's got to it be a bar, a bar, right? So, uh, so we've got... Uh, so our total outdoor seating is over 300. You're, we have it's in four different areas. So you're we're in one of the our south area. In our main uh, patio area, the Airstreamer is an amazing experience because a we needed a way to secure inventory out there, and b we wanted to highlight that experience and elevate to make it more fun and unexpected. Uh, you'll also no notice there's a north planter at the far end of the patio. In that north planter, uh, probably in a year, maybe year and a half time, we're going to also be building a concert stage. 
in our first year, we did a lot of one-off events. Uh, we found those to be, while very fun, <laughs> very unprofitable. Um, and so we've now adjusted that. And as we think about any type of programming, we look to create series. So we'll never do, we'll never invest the money into a single night anymore. Uh, like the playoff party and the investment we've made into the DJ and the, the podium and the stage and, and, and all the other elements that came into that. A lot of people are struggling with the food hall model and I think the biggest mistake is uh, very simply that really what they wanted was a cooler looking food court. Um, and when you're dealing with individual artists that are supremely talented, you're not getting the development teams of the chain or the franchise, or you're not getting, you know, the business systems that come along with that or the capital or the covenant. And oftentimes the right answer was a food court, but there was this kind of push to be cooler. This business model is an amenity. So the only way the math works is when the landlord looks at it and says, we're going to invest into 20,000 square feet to support the 2 million square feet of the property as a whole. And when it's that type of rounding error, you can build something really special. Uh, experience and cool is less profitable. Uh, we're very fortunate that you know we have a great landlord in Oxford that's been very supportive towards that. Uh, and you know, as we look to grow as a business, we're looking for other landlords and other sites within Oxford uh, that uh, where it makes sense to do this. This model will never, ever, ever make sense in the entire retail of a single building. It just economically, you're better off releasing the retail, putting in a food court, go with the operators who know how to squeeze every last you know dollar uh, every last cent out of every dollar they get from their customers uh, and that the trade-off there is one towards business and profitability vis-a-vis -vis the experience and the amenity for a much larger project do you envision more assembly chefs halls in canada in the states i mean do you have growth plans we're building some really amazing systems and layering in some incredible technology to make our learnings more repeatable with less friction. Uh, we're definitely gonna be growing the model. We wanna make sure that we get everything absolutely right here first. So while we've had a lot of interest and a lot of landlords you know, approaching us, uh, we've kind of said, you know, let's understand that so long our units are exceptional, those opportunities will always present themselves. As we walk around here with you and you're just chumming, you know, you're chatting with all the operators, it's clear you live, eat, work here and you are a part of it. And you're, it's clear that you created this special culture. And uh, yeah, I, I got a pretty good feeling about your success here. Uh, it's, it's clear that you put it, this is a labor of love for you. I've been watching really, really talented chefs you know, work in an industry where they're treated like feudal serfs. And that didn't bode well for me. And if you think of any other industry, let's say, you know, uh, media, right? So think about movies and TV shows and content. You know, content is king. And there's a reason Disney and now Netflix are ahead of everyone because they're, they've got the right talent creating the best content. I think the same applies in food. Uh, so when you've got the best chefs and the best chefs, you know, set up to succeed to create the best experiences, you're going to drive that traffic. And it's nice to see that individuals who've dedicated decades, literally, of their lives slaving over mastering a talent now have the ability to showcase that. You know, I remember we were in Tokyo a few years ago. Uh, what you notice about Tokyo is it's all about hyper specialization. 
So you're gonna go on the sixth floor down a back alley of a building in Rapongi because Shioshi sauces his yakitori better than everyone else, and you have kind of the master Shioshi with his apprentice, you know, putting that experience together. Or you're in Gion at a place called Bar IO where they literally take blocks of ice cubes and chisel them into perfect spheres in 30 seconds right in front of you. And it's such a profound experience that when you get to the level of, of ultra densification, like many cities are, you're going to have a subset of the population every night that is going to forego convenience for the absolute best. And really what we're looking for is to create an environment where we can repeatedly incubate the absolute best at whatever it is they do to drive the experience for the users that come through. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's lunchtime. I am starving. I can't, I can't even decide. We should each get something different so we can try it. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot for having me. All right, so here's your food hall pro tip. You got to go as a group and then you divide and conquer. So after we left Andreas, Lee went to Love Chicks and picked up the Honey Hot Fried Chicken Sandwich and the Crispy Brussels Sprouts. And Heli, uh, who's our Canadian retail research lead, Heli went to Calibri and picked up a selection of tacos. And then I went to Good Sun Pizza and picked up a pepperoni pie. So the verdict, it was all good but I'm still dreaming about that honey hot fried chicken sandwich from Love Chicks. The salty, crispy chicken contrasted so perfectly with the sweet, hot, honey hot sauce. Um, I'm going to say it, it easily is at or near the top of my chicken sandwich pantheon. After that, we hit up short and sweet and got an assortment of cupcakes to go. If you want to see what Assembly Chef's Hall looks like, you can check out the video that we recorded while we're there. Go to LinkedIn, search for James Cook, JLL, and follow me while you're there. Um, we post lots of different videos. They're almost like mini versions of the podcast, but with pictures. My big takeaways from our visit to Assembly Chef's Hall. One, you have to have this truly unique authentic experience, but in order to create that, you have to have a singular vision. You've got, got to have somebody like Andreas who pays singular, nonstop attention to his creation. So it's a labor of love. And you really have to judge the success of a food hall, not by the dollars that it produces just in terms of rent at the food hall, but really how it overall improves the entire complex, the entire development, the entire community. I'd love to hear about how retail affects your community, and you can tell me all about it by leaving a message on the Where We Buy hotline, and we'll use your voice on an upcoming show. Give us a call at 602-633-4061. Be sure to tell us your name and where you're calling from. Music featured on today's show, Don't Feel So Low by Mid-Air Machine, which is used under Creative Commons license. And our theme music is Run in the Night by The Good Lords, also under Creative Commons license. 